Quick throw left side, has the first down and more up the sideline. 40, 30, 20, 10, 5, touchdown, Houston. There is no off-season for your Houston Texans. Game day is every day. Now, it's Texans All-Access. Hello, Texans, and welcome to the program that always gets you in touch with your Houston Texans, the NFL, and anything else we decide is important on that given night. I'm Mark Vandermeer, your host, with John Harris. And since it's Thursday and the earth continues to rotate on its axis, we are having John McClain from the Houston Chronicle on the show. General, how's it going? It's going very well. Thank you for asking. Since we talked, J.J. Watt has a team. It's called Arizona, the Cardinals. They unretired the number of a player who had the number retired back in the stone age of the NFL. All right, maybe not that long ago, but pretty darn long ago. And your thoughts on Watt going to Arizona and being a Cardinal? I was shocked that it was the Cardinals. I had mentioned a bunch of teams, never occurred to me. Arizona was even interested, people I know in the media, in the organization, fans out there had no idea what was interested in the Cardinals or they were interested in him. They were as shocked as everyone else, happy, of course. And Jonathan Joseph played a big role, so did Vance Joseph, because Vance was secondary coach here under Wade Phillips and Gary Kubiak. Watts' first three years in the league. He knows a deep, he plays a defense, conducive to what. I think having Chandler Jones opposite him was very appealing. It's a great city, great area, up-and-coming team. You know, it's like the golf capital of the world. J.J. plays golf. He's not any good at it, but it gives him a lot of possibilities when he finds time to play. And I think it, they were 8-8. Eight and eight. They played well. They faltered down the stretch. But it's the toughest division in the NFL, and uh, – Happy for him. Can't wait for the schedule to come out so we can find out when J.J. Watt, DeAndre Hopkins are going to be playing against the Texans in Glendale. General, did you have the same sort of reaction? And I guess this has happened at various points, but did you have the same kind of reaction we all did when J.J. did his press conference and you see that that bird on his chest and you're like, it, the, the red I'm cool with because we've seen that since Wisconsin days. But did it just seem strange? I mean, we've seen Emmett Smith in the in the Cardinals, Alan Fanica wearing a Cardinal logo, but JJ just sits so close to home. How weird was that to see him with a Cardinal logo on his chest? I'll tell you something. When I saw Wade Phillips wearing a cowboy sweater, and I said to him, knowing how much he hated the Cowboys, along with all the Oilers during the Love You Blue period. And I said, man, oh, man, how long did it take you to get used to wearing that? He said, when Jerry signed the first check. <laughs> so I'm sure when Michael Bidwell signed that $23 million guarantee, J.J. felt really comfortable in that Arizona Cardinals t- shirt. Now, I thought he'd end up in Tennessee. Texans from Texans fans better be glad he didn't end up in Tennessee. Indianapolis was interested, too, because they'd had to go against him two times a year. As it is now, they'll see him play once, and that's it, unless something happens with Arizona and he ends up with another team. I could see J.J. playing until he's 35. You know, Calais Campbell's still going strong. As you get older, you learn your limitations. You're smart. You know defenses. You know how to watch tape. You know the players around you. So when he's 35 years old, I could see him still having a role. So he'd be 
32, 33, and then he had to sign two more years. But uh, I'm happy for him. I love that area. I like Cliff Kingsbury. I like the media out there. They're fired up about it. So good for him and good for them. I mean, I think living in Phoenix might have not as much to do with it as anything, but it has a big part in it because oh, yeah. I just, you know, even even though he's from Wisconsin, I think he likes the nice weather and the situation of living in a house where you have the pool and the TV and the deck. He's always social media-ing from outside where he lives in, I guess, the memorial area someplace. All right, let's get to this now. And by the way, Johnny, for me, nothing will ever be weirder than Andre Johnson in yeah. Colts Blue or in yeah. the Titan Uni. Uh, the Watt stuff doesn't bother me, although I haven't really seen him on the field yet. I've just seen him with the logo on his chest. So who knows how I'm going to feel when I eventually see him playing for the Cardinals. General, I know you're on a ton of talk shows every week. I mean, it's voluminous. The amount of talk shows you're on. So you're the 34th me, since Sunday. Jeez. <laughs> All right. Everybody's asking you about Watson and what's going to happen. What are you telling people? What? I'm not saying what's the stock answer. I know you change it up. But what have you been telling people this week? Same thing I wrote on Sunday. Now that David Colley had that Zoom meeting with Watson and Watson still wants to be traded, I think Nick Casario, all those teams that are calling somewhere around April 1st, once they get through the initial wave of free agency, needs to start listening to those teams, seeing that if they get the Jets and the Dolphins bidding against each other. You know, I don't think there's any way they would trade Watson to like Carolina with the eighth pick or Denver with the ninth, or San Francisco with the 12th, because they couldn't be guaranteed to get in a franchise quarterback. You know, to me, if you're going to, the Jets are the only way you're going to get the second best quarterback, and everybody thinks that'll be Zach Wilson of uh, uh, BYU. And then if Nick Casario, you know, he scouted all quarterbacks thoroughly last year for the, for the Patriots because they need a quarterback for the first time. So I'd love to know what Casario thought about Tua Tagovailoa, because if he thought Tua was a franchise quarterback in his report to Bill Belichick, I think this kid can be good for a long time. Then I would get serious about taking the Dolphins' or offer. And if he didn't think Tua was a franchise quarterback, maybe he could include him in the trade and then trade him to a team that thought he was for like a one and a three and see if he could uh, get multiple, even more picks than he would anyway. And people say, well, what about the Jets? Jets are going to be terrible. Deshaun doesn't want them to mortgage their future for him. Well, here's what I say about the Jets. They got two ones this year, two ones next year. They got a high two this year. We'll probably have a high two next year. They got $80 million in salary cap room at a time when there's going to be better free agents available cheaper than any time in salary cap history because the cap rolled back so far. So the Jets can sign a lot of players to help Deshaun Watson. I would let them keep the number one pick this year from Seattle. And I'd say, okay, I want you one and two this year. I want you two ones next year. And I want Quinnen Williams, their defensive end, who I think was third overall pick. And maybe Sam Darnold, take him off your hands. Play him till the second overall pick. Zach Wilson was ready to start and then trade Darnold at the trade deadline to a team that lost its quarterback and then make this like a two year process in 2001 and 2022 and start to get back being a contender again and 
2023. For the record, I vote everybody kisses and makes up, and we ride off into the sunset together with number four. Well, of course, that's what everybody would want. They don't want to trade Watson. Nobody wants Watson traded. And, And I've said on some of my shows, I said, guys, the Texans would love for a tree to fall on Watson and hit him in the head, and he wakes up, and he forgot about all this. And he's like, okay, when do we start working? When do I start working out with my receivers? But, you know, that's not going to happen. And I've said if you're on a beach, I was on a beach last week, and I was looking for uh, bottles that washed up on a beach, and I was going to rub it, see if I could find a genie and tell the genie. (laughs) Do something to Deshaun Watson where he forgets that he wants to be traded. And as hard as I looked, all I saw was shells and fish. (laughs) <laughs> that's a bad thing yeah shells and fish and i said that tongue-in-cheek and by the way if you were to get hit by a tree you go on a concussion protocol so you probably have to miss yeah. a couple of games uh as it were general i was listening actually this was uh, earlier today i was listening to a prominent uh let's just call them a group that has put together a podcast pff and they were talking they, they spent two hours trying to fix all the teams in the afc And so the first one right off the bat was the Texans. And they went back and forth. They mentioned, and I can't believe this to be true, but I want you to shoot holes in it, and I want to hear you say your famous phrase. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. But they said they've heard the Bears have the best offer out for Deshaun. Are you buying that? I don't say that's the dumbest offer thing I've ever heard. I say that's one of the dumbest things I've ever heard because I've heard a lot of dumb things. Why in the world would they trade him to the Bears? Why would they trade him to the Panthers or the or the Broncos or the 49ers? They don't have the franchise quarterback with their pick. You know, you can only trade them. You can't trade them beyond three years. And so there's no way they'd trade him to the Bears. And why in the world would he go to the Bears when your general manager, Ryan Pace, and your coach, Matt Nagy, everybody's saying they're going to get fired after next season. It's like Russell Wilson telling the media that the Bears are on Wilson's list. Well, how stupid would that be to go to a team where you could lose the GM and coach and then start all over with somebody else? So I don't buy that for a second. I don't like everybody keeps saying, well, the Bears could trade Khalil Mack. So what? They don't need Khalil Mack. They're not going to be any good anytime soon. They need guys that Casario can build around and Cully for, and honestly, and that for I'm guessing you you rebuild in 2021, you rebound 2022, and in 2023, you know that's when you're competing for the playoffs again if your quarterback works out. So I don't buy that for a second. I'm about to do a Chicago show at 8:20 tonight, and uh, with a friend of mine, Hub Arcus from Pro Football Weekly, and if he runs that by me, I'll give the same reaction but much more emphatically i I think i'd like to uh, see you get stirred up they made a great point they said if you trade with the dolphins or you trade with the jets you get two opportunities be it a draft pick or Tua, a draft pick or sam darnold with the bears you get nothing like what would you what would you get back in return? You would get nothing. And so to your point, I think it's the I think it's the dumbest thing I heard today. Because um, they had the lowest pick. Where did the Bears pick in the first round? Twenty. Yeah, why in the world would you do that? No. Anybody that's proposing that, did, are they clueless? Yeah. 
I would like the um, I would like Johnny United. Think about this. Excuse me, Mark. I would. Yeah. They've got to be a. Excuse me. They've got to be able to sell the team. They've got to sell tickets and franchise and and sponsorships. You got to get a quarterback because you guys know there's nothing like a quarterback to get a fan base, media base fired up. Whether it's Zach Wilson with the second overall pick, or if Nick Casario liked Tua Tagovailoa and David Culley and Tim Kelly and Pep Hamilton, they all like Tua Tagovailoa, then get Tua in here to be the quarterback. You could sell him. A lot of people, well, I didn't like him last year. He had 11 touchdowns, five interceptions. Three were in the last game against Buffalo. He lost to Buffalo, Kansas City, and at Denver. He was benched twice, but he was coming off major hip surgery, and I don't hold against him anything that happened to him as a rookie. I want to know what Nick Casario thinks, thought, about him when he was scouting quarterbacks for the first time since they knew Tom Brady was leaving. And uh, and you know he he scouted Tua as thoroughly as you could possibly scout him. Well, I like the tree or genie idea a lot better, actually, because <laughs> I want him to be here. So that's what I'm sticking with uh, unless or until or whatever something else changes. Really hoping that something can work out. I don't know. Maybe somebody wakes up some morning or they all do and decide, you know what, let's uh, get together and make this thing work. John, let's talk about some other things here. Other quarterbacks, Ben Roethlisberger, one of them, plays for the Pittsburgh Steelers and will continue to do so. Your thoughts on the restructuring there in Steel City? He took a pay cut. You know, it's not just a restructure. He took a pay cut like he said he was going to because he's made so many millions of dollars. It's not as important, but I think it says a lot about Roethlisberger that he still thinks the team is a Super Bowl contender. I think he threw for 500 yards in that last game, playoff loss to Cleveland, but uh, their problem wasn't Big Ben. Their problem was running game. The only team worse running the ball than the Texans last year was the Steelers, and that forever has been a strength of the Steelers. You went into Heinz Field or Three Rivers, you knew they were going to have a physical running game, and you don't have to be old school. But they, they're letting James Conner walk, and they've got to find somebody to run the ball. And since Mike Munchak left them as the offensive line coach, and he's the best in the NFL, their running game has been terrible, and their offensive line hasn't been very good. So they've got to do something to help Big Ben. John, I was listening. I can't remember who it was the other day that was talking about on, on our flagship sports radio 610. They were mentioning a Diana Rossini tweet that she had talked to a head coach in the league and said essentially the coach did that it was going to be a bloodbath coming soon for veterans throughout the league and that got me looking at salary cap issues for the team and I look at New Orleans Saints are nearly 60 million depending on where the cap's going to be somewhere between 54 and 60 million over the cap before they even get into the new league year John a, do you agree with what the head coach said? It's going to be a bloodbath. And B, what do teams like the Saints, how are they going to do it and even have a core of a team left going into the new league year? Well, they've known for almost a year that's going to be less. The cap would be a floor of 175. Now people are talking about it being up to 180 to 182. Wouldn't surprise me if it didn't come in a little bit more than that. And... um Saints are not stupid. This time last year, everybody's saying that about Kansas City. 
somehow Kansas City was able to get under and go back to the Super Bowl. Good people who know what they're doing, know how to handle situations like this. They know when they make moves that they're going to be putting themselves way over. It's just like a, a game plan. You're not just game planning for Sunday. You're also game planning for the next one. So teams that were going to be way over, they were preparing for this. Now, this is another thing about uh, Kyle Van Noy got a lot of attention. Dolphins cut him one year into a five-year contract. I think some teams will use this cap, which was 198, would have been about 210. They're going to cut some contracts they don't like, and they're going to blame it on the cap and COVID-19 so they can get rid of some players. And if they do, for teams with a lot of cap money, like, say, the Jets, the Colts, although Chris Ballard doesn't blow money in free agency, the Jaguars, Urban Meyer's doing it for the first time, and he'll want to win March. So I expect them to spend liberally. Those teams will have better players to choose from than any time since the cap was implemented after the 93 season. And and I think a lot of that could be bad management by some teams, but could be other teams saying, hey, this is an excuse for us to get rid of this guy or cut him and sign him to a lot less money. But I think a lot of guys are not going to agree to that. They'd rather be cut and be free agents. John, this proposal from the Bills to not interview coaching candidates until after the Super Bowl, there's no way this can fly, right? No I mean, this way. This does not make any sense to me. No way. If did that, say the Texans, uh, well, I can't remember who was the first team that hired their coach. When you're bad and you've got a new coach, you want to get moving. If they did that, then you'd have to move back the combine, pro days, the draft, everything, because that'd be five, six weeks late start. And then you would have teams doing deals, wink, wink, that would leak out just like on trades and free agents. And then would the NFL realize them? Say, say Cal McNair had reached a deal with David Culley before the Super Bowl and it got out and then Cal didn't say anything about it. Would the league pop up and take away a first round draft choice? Would they put some meat into their rule? You better not be interviewing people and hiring people till the Super Bowl is over, but that's way too realistic. John, the combine would have finished at some point earlier this week. What's the one thing you miss the most about the, not being in Indianapolis for it? What I like most about going to Indianapolis, being around all the media, the league people, you see people, they're not under pressure at the combine. You know, usually you want to talk to somebody in the press box before a game, their, their butt's so tight. Well, you know, and at the combine, it's not, they're not under pressure. They're not about to play a game. So they're loose and you can talk to them and BS with them, whether it's you see them at a restaurant or you see them in a bar or you see them walking through the convention center. To me, it's the most fun of the off season. And I love the draft, but just that's the first time I always get serious about the draft. And, and I, that's what I miss the most is the people. John, overtime, what do you think of these proposals here? The Baltimore Ravens rolling out the, hey, pick your yard line and we'll pick whether we're offense or defense on that yard line proposal. What do you think? 
first of all, the owners have to approve it. You know, the competition committee recommends it. The coaches can love it. The GMs can love it. But I looked at it, and I don't understand it. And I know if I don't understand it, a lot of owners won't understand it. I don't see any way that that is accepted and voted in. Wait, why, why, you don't understand it? Okay, yeah, so. Yeah, where's the ball going to go? All right, Wherever so they tell them to go. This is right. awesome. I like this. So I win the coin toss, all right, and I'm going to pick the – I'm going to say your 